This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello people and welcome to The Dreamer's Disease. My name's Alex Manzi and on each episode we'll hear the story of someone inspirational who is out in the world and really following their passions and making a name for themselves doing something that they love. On this week's episode I'm joined by a legend from the UK comedy scene not just for his comedy but for everything he's managed to achieve outside of that. It's none other than Kojo the Comedian and we covered everything from his tough upbringing, you know having his parents not around both in jail from a very young age and having his aunt he raised him from the age of five to his first steps in comedy and where he found his passion for it to discussing why he's becoming more open now of his comedy and why he's trying to tell more of his story rather than just observational type of jokes and comedy he also talked about touring with some of the biggest names and being mentored by huge names in comedy like Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and why and how he's managed to not just build those relationships, but maintain them over the years. And of course, we had to touch on everything else he's done outside of comedy, from TV to film to theatre production. And I wouldn't be able to have him on here without him passing on some advice for any of you guys who are upcoming comedians. Kojo dropped some real knowledge on how you can get into the industry. The whole story is very inspirational, to be fair. So before we jump into the episode, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Uh, It really means a lot to me for you to take this time out of your day and, you know, find the time to hit play, sit down, listen, um, and take on board everything that's being discussed. If you do like what you hear, you can head over to iTunes, search Dreamers Disease, and hit that subscribe button. You can also head over to the Instagram page, at the underscore dreams disease for daily bits of inspiration and motivation and of course let me know what you think about the podcast by simply leaving a review on itunes for me it's an amazing way to connect with you guys hear what you guys think what you'd like to hear more so without any further ado let's jump straight in and hear kojo's story kojo the very legendary one and only kojo how's it going sir very good man thank you for having me no thanks for being here man i appreciate the time (laughs) i know you're a busy man Quick, yeah, quick phone call and then we got it to happen. So that's yeah, what, to be I, fair, this is the year of yes. To be fair, we didn't mess about. It was like, oh, are you interested in doing it? Yeah, okay, cool. Can you do this date? Yeah, yeah. okay, cool. And then here we are. Yeah, Ben, Ben, our mutual friend, hit me up and he's like, um, yeah, there's a new podcast, um, Dreamers Disease or something like that. And I was like, okay, let me check it out. And because I absolutely trust Ben as well, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's all about relationships. Yeah, guess, of course. Yeah, man, good to be here. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, you know, you've done some crazy stuff in your career. Mate. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully we'll cover all of it, mm. if not definitely most of it. But I mean, particularly, you know, for you as a comedian, as, as a, I guess, your 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 base, you, you know, you've toured with some of the biggest mm. comedians, well, like Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, like, um, how was that? How was the feeling of that? Um, <coughs> touring with them is it's, it's weird. Like I think um, you too many things have happened in my career where it's been like ah did that just happen? Did that just happen? Did that just happen? What I kind of learned to do very quickly was not allow the opportunities to be bigger than your performance because mm. sometimes you can be waiting for an opportunity or even something that you never even thought could be realistic and then when it happens you're more gassed about it happening rather than being in the moment and enjoying it yeah so um how i met all of them was kind of through my comedy club that i used to do and um you know when you persevere and just get your comedy club going starting off of london comics but i was very very big influenced um by um deaf comedy jam so i just flew them in 
I had no idea about hotels. I didn't know about none of that. I just knew I could book a flight and just stay at my house. So everyone would come over and then perform. So um, through relationships with other comedians, then they go back to America, don't they? And they say, yo, when you go to London, you got to mess with Kojo, blah, 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 So meeting Chris Rock was uh, absolutely mind-blowing. One of my favourite comedians of all time. Dave Chappelle is like one of my closest friends in terms of comedians yeah, now wow. and then Kevin Hart is like family like yeah. genuinely like family and any, any opportunity he has over here he always includes me in it yeah. so so um, yeah I mean they're all very very different they're all very different um, but they're all amazing and I've learned so much from them you know what I mean and I've seen Kevin from the earliest of earlies you know what I mean and um, that's someone who I really respect in terms of work rate because I think a lot of Americans now they just want to come over because they see Kevin over here and all the other stuff but they don't understand that Kevin came to do the comedy clubs when there was 30 people in there he yeah. came to do all of that so he earned he earned his right yeah, yeah, yeah he earned it do you know what I mean and um, it reminds me to just make sure whatever you you get you've earned it yeah it? and to what sort of degree have all three of those acted as a kind of mentor to you I'll start with Chris Rock because Chris Rock for me was somebody who transcended black comedy it wasn't just um he, it's weird like he he's like the movie coming to America right <clears throat> which is my favourite movie of all time um, no one really when you think black comedies no one mentions coming to America mm. but it was a black comedy but there was something about it that opened it up to everyone do you know what I mean yeah. that, like Friday you know that's a black comedy house party yeah, yeah. you know but no one ever mentions coming to America which is most people's favourite movie yeah. so <clears throat> So that's kind of what Chris Rock was to like to me, like of of just being able to have your voice, know what your voice is, taking time with your voice, trusting your voice, and being being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, so that's kind of what I've kind of taken away from him, and talking to him as well has been really good in terms of <clears throat> somebody who, no matter what other opportunities they get, they stand up first. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It always comes back to the root of their success, which is stand up. So that's kind of what I took from him, Dave. Um, became really really close um, when he came down and gave me a we didn't we didn't even use the word viral then yeah. <laughs> that's how long ago <laughs> we didn't even use the word viral then but Dave Chappelle put Kojo's Comedy Fun House as an international level like yeah. when he came in and you know it was you know I didn't believe he was coming until he actually got into the building but um, but with Dave it's like um, like anytime he tours he's very he doesn't trust many people much less comics, you know what I mean? And um, I remember Darnell Rollins, he was another comedian who toured with him everywhere. And he took me aside and he was like, you know what, man, like, Dave spoke about you for most of the journey mm. here. He said, like, he likes what you're doing, he's always watching what you're doing and all the other stuff. And, and, and you know, like, make sure you use this opportunity that he's giving you because it's, it's you know, like, he's not coming over here messing with anyone else, etc. Yeah. Like, he, he trusts you. So don't ever ruin that or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And he, and he didn't have to tell me that. But he did, and it just always made me um, kind of respect the closeness that Dave will allow me to be in with him. Yeah. Because you know, you know what he's been through. You don't trust the media. You know what I mean? He's probably been through how so many comedians talking behind his back and all yeah, that stuff. So why some hackney boy? You know what I mean? From England, but you know we go around Europe, we tour, and we're always talking after the shows. You know what I mean? And he would talk about my sets, um, and and. I, you can't you, you there's no what what price would you pay of course for that do you yeah. know what i mean so for me it's like knowledge beyond belief so um just the more about the business i've learned from dave as well about 
journeys and trusting your journey because let's look let's be all let's all be honest when we heard he ran away from 50 million before all right mate he needs to be sectioned <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. but then what 10 years later you know who's willing to wait 10 years to get 100 mil yeah do you know what I mean and absolutely make that make all sense but it's because he was just loyal to what he believed in and he wasn't gonna change for how the industry wanted him to be kind of thing so that is something that I really hold closely to yeah. because there's a lot of opportunities that I've been presented that I've said no to and then I've probably got a bad name for it or don't work with him again he's arrogant or whatever but it's about your your journey and yeah. trusting that you know you're making the right decisions for the for the bigger picture yeah. and do you, do you think that, that Dave maybe I'm calling him Dave like he's my mate now as well Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave. do you reckon my mate Dave for um, you know he saw a bit of himself in you which is why maybe he trusted you and took took you under his uh, wing a little bit I think I think I think so and I think all of them probably see me and them because I've I've, I've lived in New York I've lived in LA I've I've gone and studied this thing I've mm. um, I've understood that the, you know when you're on top you know you can turn up to comedy clubs for free because ultimately you're gaining you're gaining from it not, the game for comedy can't always be financial it mm. has to be it's like going to the gym right you've got to work out if you want to look a certain way you've got to work out all the time and for me if you're going to be a comedian you've got to stay on stage mm. um, and those kind of people you know they see that, you know, I'll be at the BET Awards randomly without telling anyone. And Kevin will be there and I'll be like, oh, yeah, Coach, what are you doing? And they see me in the right places. Yeah. These guys from England, he's not even living here, but they see me in the right places like around the world. So it's like, then they start to respect your hustle a little bit more. Do you see what I'm trying to yeah. say? And I think uh, my hustle mirrors theirs and, you know, having bigger ambitions than the one that may present themselves to me and being able to create stuff on your own as well. And... When, like, when they come over here they get looked after like mm. you know we all like hospitality but when they come over you know it's a comedian that's bringing them over it's not like just a promoter who goes okay well you've done your show go 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 back to your hotel like I'm taking them out You're, so, you know Kevin come to my family's house and eat all of that stuff and this is way before like Kevin was even big yeah. so those moments are priceless because they don't pay you back immediately but down yeah. the line they do because even Nick Cannon as well when I met Nick I met him in 2009 and we you know we just met and that was it and then I didn't speak to him for about four years but then randomly I'm bringing Wild and Out back I get a Facebook message and I'm like by the time I replied I was like JFK bro you get me <laughs> so sometimes you know when you meet people don't it might nothing might even come of it straight away but it's about keeping those relationships because they will always make sense down the line yeah and what's one way that you would have kept those relationships intact then for like anyone who's a you know upcoming comedian or actor or artist or whatever it may be what sort of tips would you give in terms of keeping or maintaining relationships I guess once you've made them I think what I did with those three was again kind of what I just said a minute ago in terms of um, I I um, I, they, they always saw me in relevant places because sometimes you can call somebody all the time and it's, it could be like, oh, he's just, he's being a bit annoying. They don't get that from me, do you know what I mean? And if I do call them, it's like an hour conversation rather than loads of irrelevant, meaningless conversations. Oh, can I have, can I have, can I have? I've always, no matter how much they've done for me, I've always wanted them to get their respect more yeah. than anything else. I've always wanted that from all of them because you get more when you're respected. This yeah. year, I'm trying to say, you get more from people. They see what you can do for them as well. There's a reason why they keep me around as well because I, I can add something to what they're mm. doing. Um, so I think my advice would always be <clears throat> when you admire people, offer yourself. Offer yourself. I think this generation now is how much am I getting? Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Not how much I can yeah. I help. Yeah. yeah, I think even with the, you know, um, to make it a bit more, you know, I guess time sensitive, uh, Monique recently coming out about yeah. Netflix, and yeah. I'm like, you haven't done a show in years. Yeah. You're, you're big, but you're not relevant. And, and, and that's what people don't understand. You can be big, Eddie Murphy's big, but he's not relevant right yeah. now. That's Eddie Murphy though. Yeah. But Eddie Murphy can't just say I'm doing X, Y, Z. He probably can, to be fair. <laughs> but the show won't be good if you don't go and work out. Yeah, exactly. Monique, you've not been working out to say I want the same as Amy Amy Schumer, who stays in the yeah. comedy club. Yeah. So, humble, come and do this for the half a million that that they're offering, so that you can show them the impact that you can make, and then it probably triples or yeah. even quadruples the next time. But I think some people just feel they rely on what they've done. Yeah. And they think that means something. Do you know what I mean? And it don't. If you're you know, you can be big. I think I'm big at the moment in 2018, but I'm not relevant because I've not been out in the comedy clubs like that. I've been in the other fields, so I can appreciate that Mo, the comedian, is the guy that will get triple my money right now because he's relevant. He's been working at it. I haven't. I've got to come and prove that I'm still relevant or I can I can still have something to kind of offer, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I always say just people that you admire and if you're blessed to meet them, get, get, just let them see you in the right places because... That silently speaking to them without, you know, verbally. Yeah. yeah. No, of course. I think that's definitely one thing. I think, like you said, a lot of people they they look at everything too short term, mm. and they don't often go actually, what is, you know, what could potentially happen? Long, like, I might meet someone, and okay, five years down the line, that or four years, like it was with you and Nick Cannon, mm. something might come of it, mm. but you don't know. But you have to keep that alive to even have that possibility. It's not a guarantee exactly. by any means. Of course, and that's what, and, and I think if you've got patience, you don't, you're not worried about the guarantee of it because you, you know it's, it can happen whenever. But my mum always says, did you eat the food or did you taste it? And eating is wanting your food to be dealt with right now, but, but, but you're not getting all the preparation that it took mm. to make it, do you know what I mean? And I think you've got to allow the ingredients of your success to, to play all of their parts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that you can digest the opportunity when it comes to you because the opportunity will come to you but are you even going to be ready when it... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I've, I've learned to just taste my success and allow it to... You know, all the little parts that I may not even notice allow them to kind of come together and create this opportunity that yeah. I want. I'm loving this, man. We're like, what, 10 minutes in <laughs> and there's so many quotables, <laughs> so many gems. This is this is intense. This is... Oh. <laughs> gonna walk away from this feeling like I'm gonna achieve anything, uh, which I think already. But um, so I just want to take it right back. Mm -hmm. Like, what was your um, journey into comedy? Where did you get the passion for it? Where did you start? Um, my beginning of comedy, I think. Um, I, I my cousin Charmaine, right? My cousin Charmaine went to America and to, to like nanny for the summer. That's what she did, and then um, I remember she came out with these deaf comedy jam tapes. But I was, I must have been about 11 or something like that. I had no idea what I was watching. Absolutely. But she used to just come and watch them all the time. And then um, that was that. And then um, <clears throat> I was about 18, 19, 19. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also went to do something similar, but it was Camp America, which is working with kids. Because up until 19, I was working at youth clubs and all yeah. that. So I'd been to a youth club, then I became one of the leaders there. And then um, I went to, um, I, I always loved teaching. I, I knew teaching was something that I was going to fall back on because I used to play football quite a bit. But but my backup was always teaching, but I really loved engaging with the young people. And then um, went to Camp America. And then on the weekend, we get the weekends off. And I went to Best Buy and I saw this Martin Lawrence DVD. 
you so crazy. But I just thought, oh, I remember him from House Party. He's got his own film. Yeah? So I bought it, didn't know it was stand-up. Just saw him on there. I was like, I know him, he's funny. Yeah. So then I bought it and then I and then I put it into the cassette tape, showing my age. <laughs> video. <laughs> VHS. <laughs> oh wow. Mate, yeah. Um and then <clears throat> watching this thing and till this day I've never laughed at anything harder than that. Mm. And I still didn't know what it was called. I didn't even know it was called stand-up comedy, I didn't. But uh, about half an hour in I stopped watching him and I only saw myself on the mm. stage. And then I was like that is what I wanted. That I can, I can do that. Mm. I can do that. So then I came back to London, um, and I was like, comedy classes, comedy classes. I was trying to find it, and I remember the Voice newspaper at the time that had these com- um, comedy workshop that really looked with a fellow comedian um, and Keith Palmer were, were, were doing. So I was like, yep, going to that. So I remember asking my aunt who um, who I grew up with um, um, if she can give me like borrow me five hundred and fifty pounds to go to the workshops and stuff because uh-huh. I couldn't even afford it. And yeah. then um, she gave me the money. And then um, went, it was an eight-week course where you learn, um, you know, self-awareness. I think that, I believe, separates me from a lot of mm. people is self-awareness. I know my weak points, so you, it's very hard for you to have any power over me because I'm, I know that, do you know what I mean? And, and I'm very self-aware of myself on stage and that's what I learned at the, the comedy school about what's the first thing people see about you when you walk on what's the first thing you've got to know what that is mm. um, an example that used to, they used to use was Joe Brand yeah you know what she used to do very early in her career was do a fat joke yeah because then the rest of the show she becomes skinny and you're not thinking throughout the elephants in the room do you know what I mean you're not, you're not thinking um, oh yeah like oh she's fat because she's already got that out the way the rest of it now she's just a comedian do you know what I mean just performing yeah. and killing it and I think those are the things that you can use to advise sometimes people go on stage and they might like their swagger but the audience we all look the audience thinking what the hell is this person wearing but it's awkward all throughout your whole show if you're the only one yeah, yeah. that thinks you know that you're fine or, or do you know what I mean Like, and even if you think you're fine and everyone else doesn't you have to also be self aware enough to be like well this is my swag do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. just those little little moments. Um, I had a, I had uh, an episode yesterday where I was on the stage and um, these girls were just constantly talking throughout the whole show. Mm. And I've been to shows where the comedian can hear the people talking, but they're still gonna act like they're not talking. Yeah. But everyone in the room knows that they're talking. So I, I had to make um, an example of them yesterday because I can't. How can I continue? Yeah. How how genuinely can I continue? when you lot are having your own thing over there and it's annoying everybody. So it's self-awareness for me is something that I believe has really put me in good stead. But the comedy club, the comedy school, sorry, was an eight-week course and then you had a showcase at the end. And I remember I was like rehearsing for eight weeks and I got so frustrated with these same jokes. And I was like, oh, like, oh, what car? Can't I do something else? No, keep practicing. Why? Like, why? All this time, I'd never even performed them. Yeah, yeah. But I know these jokes at the, like the back of my hand now, and I was getting so frustrated. Yeah, and you just wanted to write more and different yeah, stuff. And, yeah, of yeah. course, because I'm getting bored of this. But then, but yeah, I haven't performed it. So when I performed it for the very first time at Middlesex University, I um, I understood what they meant about the repetition. Mm. Because I looked like I've been doing it forever. Mm. I was nervous as hell. But I looked like, I was so angry at these jokes that... I performed them like, like I've been doing it for like four years. Just I knew them. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know, no, didn't know, need to look at my script and none of that. I just knew them. 
absolutely blew the house down and then I understood the discipline about repetition and keep yeah. saying it and keep going over and keep till it's boring to you because when you when you land it to an audience it's 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 an experience that you can't even you can't even explain like the euphoria of just everyone going crazy about something that you've come up with is nuts yeah and and how much work goes into it now in terms of writing new material practicing new material you know if you've got a, a show or a tour coming up how much preparation do you do do you do like warm-up shows do you yeah. you know just practice it at home do you you know what, what what's your preparation for i think that? there's a in this country which doesn't happen in america is there's a fear of doing a bad gig mm. um alan carl once said to me you know who wants to go to Torquay on a tuesday night and smash it yeah. why why smash Torquay on a Tuesday night? Why go to Romford and get, blow the house down when you're working out stuff for an O2 show? Yeah. O2 is where you need the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. ruckus. That's where you need the <laughs> hype and everyone. But you've got to be afraid. So you got to, you can't be afraid to try new stuff. And what I, where I'm at now in my career, I spend a year living and then I write. Because I've got to live, I've got to make mistakes, I've got to annoy people, I've got to be annoyed, I've got to fall in love, I've got to not be in love. I've, do you know what I mean? I've got to, I've got to live. Because what you don't want to do is be that comedian who ma- who imagines everything. Yeah. Could you imagine if? Oh, what if? And it's like there's real stuff actually happening in the world for you to spend most of your writing talking about things that don't even exist or yeah. imagine if that happened. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of how I was when I started. Imagine this, imagine that, or. Um, observational humour oh I ran for the bus I missed it oh the bus driver saw me but he still that be, those are the things that any comedian can do and then you fall into a category of oh that joke's like someone else's joke or this do you know what I mean and I think you know coming back to Kevin what I learned about Kevin is Kevin talks about himself yeah and to some people it, it can sound conceited it can sound like well, there's so many other things going on in the world but everyone's talking about everything else mm. What can I what what can I genuinely do and be the only person doing it? Is talk about me. Yeah. And I think if you're talking about you, then you have an evolution path laid out for you because it's chapters of your life and it's you know, it's um I'm about to be a dad for the first time. Oh, congratulations. Do you know what I mean? Thank you. So that's a whole nother yeah. the apps that I've had to download. <laughs> like, you don't even understand. The books you've had to read, the DVDs to watch. <laughs> Like it's crazy, and and for me it's like, I'm now, I'm now in a whole new chapter now. I've got I, there's about a hundred jokes that I've wrote, I've written that I've never performed that I've had yeah. to throw away because yeah. that's not me anymore. Yeah. So is, is there a part of you that's like becoming a new dad that's already thinking oh, I'm gonna get some great material from this? Yeah, I mean you think that I'm, I'm at a funeral and I think I'll get great get material because that's how a co- comics mind works. Yeah. It's um, it's. Being a comedian, man, it's it's um, it's kind of a scary place because you're never in the moment. Mm. You've got to force yourself to be in moments because you see way more than everyone else. And I remember how it felt not overthinking anything. I remember that. And it's something that I've battled with myself on wishing I can go back to that place when everything was easy. I had one girl that liked me and I liked her. That was it. No options. None, none of this stuff. Oh, there's five of them that like me now. Oh, which one am I going to pick? Oh, well, let me spend five years wasting time because I don't want to pick the wrong one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when, yeah. when everything was so much simpler because you just had one view on things. Now, as a comic, you, you lose that 
personal view and then it becomes about shit thinking about other things that other people can relate to do you know what I mean yeah. so being being you know stepping into fatherhood for me now is kind of I want to do my version of it and how it's making me feel and you know reading these apps and then telling you how she's gonna behave and he, you know, that's what they're doing they're telling you yes week 14 she's gonna blame you for everything that happened before you were like that is how precise they are now <laughs> to the point where I can't even allow her to have it on her phone because she's gonna start playing up to it yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean so all of these things you know being in a relationship living with my partner do you know what I mean yeah. for the first time having a stylist that I didn't ask for <laughs> do you know what I mean like no I'm happy dressing myself thank you very much mm. are you gonna wear that now you gotta go and change because it's it's all of these things that I'm I'm experiencing for the first time and I think you know I, I, I often model my whole career on MCs yeah because because no one your fifth album should sound nothing like your first album you can never ask Jay-Z to give you something that he's done already because he's not the same person yeah and no one wants to read a book that's got the same chapter <laughs> do you know what I mean you, you want to be excited to turn the page but if you know what's coming it, it's, it loses its value so now I'm in a whole new chapter in my life in my career that I can now go and share because an audience that I may not have had because I haven't had any children I can open myself up to them now yeah do you understand what I'm trying to say mm. the people that are grew up with me they're probably having kids now and we're waiting for me to kind of catch up kind of thing so now it's going into fatherhood for the first time and really and being excited about it, but being honest about, you know, what I think I'm going to be like yeah. as a dad and, you know, and, and all of those things. So I think growth is um, definitely something that I like to share with mum too. Yeah. And then, you know, on the hip hop, um, the closeness of hip hop and comedy, you know, I've always thought there's a lot of parallels and there's always been particularly probably more in America yeah. with, you know, the, the, the death comedy jams yeah, and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but what's, the actual performance aspect like as well because you know stepping out on stage by yourself mm. which a lot of MCs would have to do as well and commanding an audience like what's that like for you? I I, I liken it to riding a bike yeah. if you believe you're going to fall over you will mm. it, it's as simple as that if you believe the show is going to go bad it will mm. if you don't believe in what you're saying if you honestly don't think it's hilarious it won't be there's there's as an audience member I go into an audience um, I go into a show <clears throat> I've got my own sense of humour yeah you don't know nothing about me I've got my own sense of humour but I can still laugh at what you think's funny mm. if you believe it so it's not about me changing my sense of humour all of a sudden it's okay, I can see that he believes in this joke. Yeah. And it's actually funny when I don't find it funny, but you still believe in your joke. Because it's um it's a thing of this is me. This is I'm giving you me. Not everyone's gonna like me, not everyone's supposed to like me, not everyone's gonna dislike me and, and vice versa. So so it's but 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 what you will always get is respect when you give me you what have I I've been sitting here for an hour mm. what do I know about you that I didn't know before mm. you know who, who's your best friend who you know what have you been through like share that with me there's comedians who and I'm sure you probably can relate to this you've gone to a comedy show and you've been laughing your ass off and then somebody goes oh tell me some of the jokes and you can't remember one of them <laughs> yeah. or you can't even remember exactly why you was laughing and then you get comedians who are more physical less material 
So it's not, oh, that was a brilliant line. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you don't really get that much stuff with the girl, but they're just great personalities. Yeah. You love their energy. And comedy is a, a body language as well as it is a verbal one. So, you know, it's it's how far are you willing to go? Yeah. You know, and, and how vulnerable are you willing to be to, to, um, to get the reaction that you want. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you said actually about, I guess, the power of pos- uh, positive thought mm. because I believe that, well, the, the way that your brain's kind of wired is that if you think about the negative, like my show's going to fail, your brain will automatically look for all of the reasons why it could fail and how it could fail. Whereas if you then look at the positive and go, this is going to be the best show of my life, mm-hmm. your brain will then start to find the solutions to make it the best show in your life. Exactly. Is that something that you've kind of learned and practiced over the years in everything you do? Or is it just something that you do specifically for, for comedy? You know, my whole motto on that is in terms of negativity and positivity is nothing ahead of me can be worse than what I've been through. Mm. I, I'm at the stage in my life where I'm kind of making a real, you know, back, you know, return to stand up, and making that, <clears throat> making everything else a second, which I haven't done for about three years, and coming back to stand up for me is, um, it's it's kind of like, I'm 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 getting to a place now where it's it's about being honest, you know what I mean? It's about being honest now. And I've been doing this for 18 years and no one knows me. Do you know what I mean? And I think that can be a blessing, but that can also be a curse because I used to be like, oh, do you know, when I do a big show, then I will open up. But then you've got to do, you got to, you got to be honest on the small shows to get them to come to the big show, yeah. to give them more. And my mentality was, yeah, but you, you find out more about people when you see their big one-man show or their specials, which you do, but they've also left seeds yeah. in the clubs and I've never left the seed. Both of my parents went to jail when I was five. I mm. grew up in foster care. Mm. Um, I've been to I've been to school. I went to school in Ghana for two years when I was young. I've um, I I didn't know. I thought my dad was um, my dad, and then when I was nineteen, I thought I found out he wasn't my dad. Oh wow! At at the airport. So now I meet my real dad, who I know nothing about, but looks everything like me. Yeah. So, but I've never shared any of this with anybody mm. on Mother's Day last year I put a post out being honest about my relationship with my mum didn't speak for about 10 years and I had a girl who I had an event the next day after Mother's Day and then this girl came up to me and the first thing she started doing was crying her eyes out yeah. and she was like I don't even know what this is today I don't know where I am but I knew you was going to be here so I came and I just wanted to say thank you very much because I haven't spoken to my mum for f- six years and just by reading that post that you put about your mum, because everyone was like, oh, me and my mum, besties, and yeah, all yeah. this other stuff, but no one's keeping it real. Like, there's no, where's the other side of people who may not have their mum, yeah. or... I've never known their mum, or... Yeah, like, yeah. like where's that voice for them? And ultimately, I was doing it for my own therapy. Yeah. But when you do that sometimes, it also gives therapy to other people. And this girl was like, you cured something, because that's been... That's been happening for six years. And when I called my mum, she cried. She didn't even, she couldn't even speak to me because she's not seen my she's not seen me call her for how long. Yeah. And and that's what my honesty's done. And I feel like I've maybe not been confident enough to be honest with my audience. I've not been confident enough to maybe share some of that. Um 
but that's the journey that I have to now. I'm about to bring a life into this world and I I have to be honest to, to, to my child. Yeah. I also have to be honest to, to the woman that I'm with and and that in turn will allow me to the the confidence and the courage to kind of be honest to the audience as well. Mm. I mean, to be in this for eighteen years and people don't really know your story, it's it's good and bad as I said, you know what I mean? But I kind of I'm I'm on this honesty thing now where it's time to just let people know because they'll respect your journey a bit more. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be my mum my mum always says you're gonna hear about my mum a lot in this show. <laughs> she says, um, you know, if you tell your story before success it's an excuse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's an excuse. Oh, that's a reason to help him. Oh yeah, well he's had it tough so and I didn't want none of that. I didn't want nothing because of what I've been through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't. I wanted it to be because I'm good enough. And but but human nature will always love the underdog. That's it. You 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 I've spent a lot of my career being smarter than the game and I think a lot of the times I have been smarter than the game. But then what's the point of being smarter than the game by yourself? Yeah. When you can take people with you if you if you're honest with them. And that's kind of where I'm learning to mix it up a little bit more and and just be truthful about my my story and my my relationship with my mum and my dad and my sisters and being the guy that can't afford to make any mistakes being the oldest so now I'm 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 dad to my my little sisters and stuff when I when I shouldn't have to be because I've I've always wanted an older brother never had one do you know what I mean so yeah. those kind of things for me were um painful things to talk about maybe I felt vulnerable maybe I thought people wouldn't laugh with they'll laugh at but I'm now in a place where I'm solid in who I am now is it's a it's a opportunity to kind of be be open and feel fresh again so I've been in this for 18 years but now I get to feel fresh again people get to really invest in my story now because I'm I'm, I'm in the process of starting to write my biopic or bio bio biography sorry yeah and it's crazy yeah. It's crazy. And coming back to um, Kevin again, Hart, and how he inspired me, he, I, I listened to his book, um, you know, You Can't Make This Up. And, bro, like, that for me had me in, all over the place, yeah. like, emotionally, because a lot happened that week. <clears throat> I, I got the book, listened to it all. And I was just like, wow. And it came to me. If I felt like God put this on the perfect day. I was also on a train where a young lady jumped in front of. Oh, no, wow. And I was, I was stuck between Stoke and London for like five hours on, the, on this train, right? Yeah. And, and all this time, I, was, I had the, one of the worst weeks. And then I was like, but is it as bad as thinking that I want to jump in front of a train? Mm. No. Is Kevin Hart has been so embarrassed by other people in this bit in, in this industry? I mean, you cannot. Be, if you've not read the book, I don't even want to ruin it. But you can't understand the levels of embarrassment Kevin Hart has had before this. Mm. And, I, and and anyone that's listening now, the greater your pain is, the greater your gain. Trust it. It's just your process. It's just your process. And when you're going through it, you don't want to hear that. You're probably going through it now and you're listening to this. I don't want to hear that. But you are not immune to life. And the greater your pain, the greater your gain. So when I'm going through how I'm feeling, this book's 
really put me back on the, the you know the cliff there's a little chapter 65 is everything <laughs> in the book because it's he's like listen forget being people's plus one at the club every night forget calling my agent and asking is anyone coming to check me forget all of these um, acting classes that I'm taking and I'm not booking any work I just want to do comedy yeah that's the only thing that I can control I just want to do comedy and when he said that to me I was like that's what I need to do what what can I control if I put on a theatre show I can't guarantee how many people's going to come even when even when I'm booming and everything's going great I can't guarantee that it's going to sell out I can't guarantee that this person's going to do X, Y and Z what's the only thing that I can guarantee what I'm going to do on stage hmm. that's all I can guarantee so my, my agent now she's like yeah man I want to get you on some TV spots I was like Steph I just want to just do stand up. Take it back to right. I just want to do stand up. Mm. I wanna, I wanna just build a quiet storm. I don't need to force this thing of because the beauty about what I do is comedy. I'm still young. I'm 38. Mm. I'm still young in comedy, mm. and I'm gonna be nowhere near the comedian when I'm 50 because I would have done more. I would have experienced life more. So that's the safety net that we have as comedians. These young guys that are coming up now. They're nothing compared to what they're going to be. Yeah, yeah. That's what's funny about it. <laughs> Ironically, they're nothing compared to what they're going to be. And the journey isn't about heat. It's about having that warm dinner every day. Yeah. Because we're all going to get a hot one. But the, a career is a warm dinner every day. That's when you're cruising. That's when the, you know, the plane takes off and it's just cruising altitude. Just nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> And you can relax now. You can go to sleep when you can recline you know, that seat. Yeah, you don't recline on seat when you're taking off or when you're landing, because they're big moments. But when it's cruising, you know, um, and that's where I feel my career's gone. I'm now I've, I've been cruising. I've just been on the altitude mm. now. Do you know what I mean? And some people feel like, wow, oh, like I was on the DLR the other day, and the guy was like, bro, where you been, bro? Like, bro, I ain't seen you for time. And it's because. In all honesty, I kind of lost my confidence a little bit yeah. with stand-up. Again, for all these reasons, because I know that the truth has to come now yeah. and I'm still uncomfortable with it. So I was hiding a little bit. I getting, got into film and I'm writing now and I'm directing now. I'm all in the background now. But I wasn't born to be in the background. Mm. I wasn't born to be in the background because no matter what I do in the background, I'm still making noise with it. So it's about accepting what God's journey is for me and what my purpose is. Because that's what it is now. I now I now know my purpose. Yeah, what is it? I think my purpose is to help people. That's my purpose. Mm. That's what I do with my eyes closed. It's not. And all these blessings that I've been able to have have helped other people. I've put starving actors in the cinema from a script that I wrote. Mm. I put them on Netflix for the world to see them from a script that I wrote. I had a comedy show where Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Bill Bellamy and all these guys we all watched on television and Chris Rock, we all watched them on television. I've got them coming to the comedy club. There was a whole generation of people for about 10 years that grew up through that, through that comedy club. Yeah. There's people that have had kids through the, 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 the benefits have, all of my blessings have always benefited other people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when yeah. I was on, when I was doing radio at Choice, I brought Jaden. Jade was this girl from Gloucester. I, I auditioned about 20 girls who had way more experience than her, but I gave it to her because I wanted people to understand that it can happen at any time. I don't care how long you've been in the game. Don't, you don't warrant something because you've been in the game long. Yeah. It's about opportunity. Sometimes it's about energy. You're, you know, Our energy always says hello before we do. 
Do you see what I'm trying to say? And, and again, it, it brings it back to self-awareness again. So every blessing I've had, I've always wanted to see other people win from that as well because we know how difficult this game is. Mm. And I've seen amazing. I've seen amazing. So I don't know how to deliver anything that doesn't really capture people's attention, you know? And and, and and so ultimately for me, that's my purpose, just to just to help people. Yeah. But I feel like I get to help so many through laughter. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's it's a massive uh, therapeutic thing, isn't it? Mm. Like the just the the you know, the the, the chemicals it releases in your body for a mm. start. But have you found yourself now in a position where I guess, you know, where you had the likes of Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, Chris Rock to help you on your comedy journey are you now in a position where you can look at the, the new guys coming through and kind of advise them and help them in their young careers I've been in that position before I was even because I think the comedy club afforded me to be in that position where I was bringing people in <clears throat> you know I'd never tell somebody oh you've got to come and audition for me who am I that's my thing is I don't know everything I might think you're absolutely awful and then you go and turn around and make a career for yourself, which has happened many times. I've, I've always let people just come on stage. Come on stage. The audience is right there, don't know, you know. Simple as that. And, you know, everyone's, <clears throat> everyone came through that comedy club. Um, there's people that started off filming that ended up on stage. Mm. Everyone believed that they can get involved. This was another flip side to being an MC who I think a lot of the comedians had it not been for Corks and the Funhouse they probably would have been spitting bars Yeah, because coming from where we come from that's the real success sports or grabbing that microphone Yeah, yeah. that's how we know success to be do you know what I mean and I don't need to study for it I don't need to I mean you do but you tell yourself I don't need to what after these go studio do you know what I mean? I picked up the mic and started spitting bars one time. Mm. I heard, I thought I learned a very painful lesson. <laughs> I mean, you know? we all have at some point. Mate! Mate! <laughs> I, they laughed at me then and now I know why I get laughed now, mate. Trust me. But, but I mean, because that's what the what our community, how we're raised, that's what our neighbours tell us. That, that's all we can do. And our, you grow up with your friends and that's all they want to do. Do you know mm. what I mean? And it's like, but the youngsters now, my only regret with the youngsters now is that they will see all I've done, would love to have done what I've done, but then they don't listen. Yeah. And then what I've matured into doing now is just sharing and not worry about other people's results. Mm. Because again, I can't control how they're going to implement what I say. But but, but sharing can't be verbal. <clears throat> now, after listening to all of this, I, I always contradict myself when I do these things because I don't often like to do interviews because I get so deep with it. Yeah. But no matter how deep a quote is, no matter how deep this podcast is, no matter how deep you listen to all of this stuff, everyone still has to go and do something. And I feel as though, at being self-aware, I believe I'm one of the most watched people in our, in our, in our business. Mm. because I always lead by action I always do no one ever says Kojo said something and it motivated there's evidence there's physical evidence they say I saw this and I saw that you can do that yeah. the amount of people that got into comedy because they saw Fresh Prince of Hackney years ago mm. the amount of people who see me on Wild and Out and know it's possible that that was impossible to me mm. but now you know it's possible it may not even be Wild and Out but it'll be something else over there that it's possible now 
There's no excuse for it. So, I've always shown people that anything can happen. I don't know about writing um, 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 scripts. No one really taught me how to write scripts. And then I met my friend Tara, who goes, this is what it is. I knew how to write jokes. I didn't know how to write film scripts and all that, but I, I went through the process and I, and I picked it up. And now I've made a movie. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but yeah. I didn't go to film school and all the other stuff. And I believe there's a lot of people out there like that that tell them that, tell, t- tell themselves, sorry, that, oh, yeah, but I don't have this and, and I don't have that. And the more you do that, you ain't got nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't even end up with the stuff that you do have because you've convinced yourself that you have nothing. And all you need is one thing. All you need is one thing. So for me, it's um, with the new generation, I try to just lead by example. Stop taking it personal when they don't listen. Mm. You know, don't get upset when you see people make a mistake that, that, that they may find it hard to come back from because it's just their journey. And I think the, I, I, I've learned to not make it my business of how people do things. If, I, if people are watching what I'm doing and it's inspiring them, that's all I can control. Yeah, and I guess that for you, you, you have paved the way for a lot of, you know, the comedians that are coming through now in terms of not just the comedy front and putting on your own shows and events, but you know, TV, radio, you know, like you said, film, uh, script writing, pr- production, and all that kind of stuff, you know, this was kind of unprecedented for, for a comedian, in inverted commas, you know? Mm. Um, but, like, how much do you think the game has changed now? Because I remember, you know, growing up, watching, like, Lee Evans, like you said, on cassettes, watching Eddie Murphy, Delirious, and those type of comedies where it's like, you had to watch the whole... 90 minutes yeah, yeah, to yeah. catch every single yeah, joke yeah, and yeah, to like yeah. appreciate the art of it yeah. whereas now obviously you're getting a lot more of like someone can take a five minute snippet of a hour and a half set or an hour set put it out and that can go viral yeah. for the back of it or if you look at you know the, the different type of comedy that Mo the comedian's mm-hmm. doing and you know Michael Dapper are doing as well and you know those two have had incredible 12, 18 yeah. months how much has that changed like, is, is it a completely different game now I think what's happening now is... Um, is it more exciting as well? I think now it's definitely exciting. The new circuit, I believe, is online. Mm. Um, you know, when, when we came through, the older lot was like, they didn't have the internet. You know what I mean? The older lot, the Will McCoy guys, they didn't have... They had, they had television. The difference with Richard Blackwood's generation is... When you was on television, it meant something. It meant something. You was that guy because we had five channels. Mm. This is before Sky and all cable. And all. We had five channels, mate. If you was, on, <laughs> we didn't even have five channels anyway. It was four. Yeah, it was four. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was four channels, brother. And you, if you was on one of them, you was that guy. Yeah. Now you could be on television. No one cares mm. because my focus is on my phone. <clears throat> so now. It's about going to where the audience is for this generation, right? Now, this generation is Mo the Comedian and Big Tipper and Mike's Comedy and Michael Dapper. And what they've done is they've gone to where the audience is because it's about volume for them. And I think, and I think you know, that to me is what I would call Top Shop. Yeah. Yeah? Where... It's on trend. Everyone everyone goes in there. But the thing is, is that you might go out and people are in the same outfit. Now, what I learned from Dave Chappelle is to 
be comfortable with not with, with not being popular, but being defined. Mm. And I would like to think that I'm 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 just a stand-up comedian. That's it. Yeah. My job now is to make people in today's world want to come and see me live. So how do I do that? Because what I'm not what I don't want to do is give material away for free. Yeah. Because I want to have something for my live show. Dave Chappelle told told me do as least that's probably why I don't really do much interviews is and when I do do them they go they 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 they, 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 they get shared a lot yeah. because they should probably tell me don't do try not try your best not to give because every time you talk you're giving away even now me talking to you I'm giving away stuff yeah. that I could save for a show yeah yeah or save for a live thing do you know what I mean and because I'm not that comedian that's gonna be humorous on online. I've, I've got to save it for come and see live but what's going to make people come and see me live and that's where I found difficulty in because I was kind of ignorant to not to not to social media but ignorant to no no you, you come and see me you you hear what I'm doing and they will always hear what you're doing live but it takes longer yeah that's all it takes longer but you either can accept that and if you can't accept that then what are you going to do about it so now it's starting a YouTube channel where you get to see my family you get to see my girlfriend you get to see my friends and how we party and, and when they come and chill at the house and we're playing Xbox yeah, yeah. all that regular stuff because now when I do my show you're going to know who I'm talking about Yeah, yeah. so I'm not giving you material I'm giving you me Yeah, it's what you were saying earlier about building up the story yes. of, of you and yes. the real you yes. so that people come yes because it. no one goes to a comedy show because they think you're the, the funniest person they go mm. there because they like you mm. they listen to your radio show and no one else's because they like you the bonus may be that you're talented. Mm. But if I like someone, there's no one that can tell me otherwise. I don't care how, how much stats they've got compared to this person. That's my guy. That's my girl. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I want to do. But again, because I haven't allowed people in, how can I therefore have a, the nerve to ask them to come and support me or come and to see, yeah. see me live when I've given you nothing real? Yeah. And that's where I'm at now of being honest and that's why I've started the YouTube channel because I can control what I put out there and it gives me time to not rush it but give you an essence of what I do I work with children I do traineeships I, I do um, um, comedy workshops I, I, I talk at schools I do universities but mm. people don't know this because I don't show them yeah, yeah. and Charlemagne is a good friend of mine and Charlemagne once said stop being humble you can't be humble no because you're walking around like people know what you've done. Mm, yeah. They don't. And your generation might. But what are these kids at uni though? So it was they documented don't. back then yeah. to the extent it is now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fan house is online, but who's, who's searching for that? No one. This generation ain't... Because it's not going on anymore. This generation don't do that. So now I've, I'm organising a uni tour because I've got to go back to them. Mm. I can't be ignorant and be like, oh yeah, you lot should know what I've done. And come on, are you mad? Chat to the people that you do like. They'll tell you what I've done. No, it don't work like that. Again, it's are you big or are you or, or are you relevant? Yeah. And you can be both, but I'm I'm big. Mm. When you think black comedy on an international level, my name will probably be up there. But how relevant am I mm. in in stand up? I'm not. So is it, is there a part of that that almost like pains you in a way, or is it 
you know something that you've you, you've obviously realised and wanted. It doesn't pain me because it was my decision. Mm. The game didn't push me away, yeah. or I didn't get boring and get thrown out. I'm, I'm, I'm having people say, "Where you been?" Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't been to a comedy show like Corks since. I don't even go to comedy shows anymore because it's not like Corks was. Yeah. So there's a demand for me to come back. But I've I've chosen, I got to a place in my career when I was on top, <coughs> I had no answers. So now you got all of this fan base, you've sold out Hackney Empire 10 times, you've done all of this show, MTV, whoop the whoop the whoop. Where's your show idea? Where's your sitcom? Where's the film that... Nothing! Yeah. I had nothing. I've just got all this buzz, nothing to take me to another level. So I, I, I was upset. I hate being in a room when someone's right and I'm wrong. So, but I don't, I don't get ignorant with it. I go and get my answers then. So I, I went away and I started writing the weekend and above romance and, you know, I got a 10 part series called Grind Tales coming and I've got all of these different things going on but I, they're my answers so, yeah. so when I come back with hindsight I'm, I'm prepared I'm here to stay because I've got my answers I was chasing the other things when I didn't have any you know I had a bow but I had no arrows yeah do you know what I mean so I had all of this heat and this is my only fear for Mo and Michael Dapper is just make sure that you've got answers. Mm. Because we're all, we're, we're all going to be hot. But you've got to graduate to big. You've got, not everyone graduates. I mean, we can all talk about artists that have had banging songs. Mm. And that when we remember that song. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And everyone will get heat by themselves. But to stay is a whole nother. The altitude that we spoke about. Yeah, yeah. To get there is where you want to be. Yeah. Not hot. Do you know what I mean? Like, anyone can do that. So many people have done it. Loads of people have been hot. But staying warm, that's a career. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. So I don't feel like it's a bad thing that I've... That, that what's happened in terms of my career being not relevant, but now I'm coming back with understanding. I've got my answers now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to write another film for... for for a long time because I've got I'm sitting on so many different shows and scripts and stuff. I've got answers now. My job now is to build up my relevance. Again. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was watching a Jay Z interview and he said it would be weird if a 16 year old saying my favorite comedian's Kojo. It'd be very weird. You know, it'd be weird if you know a 16 year old saying my favorite rapper's Jay Z. Yeah. But you know what Jay Z's done? Mm. Hall of Fame. Do you know something I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But but the, but the, but the world must have new champions. They must have new leaders for their generation. And if I want to be involved in this new generation, I've got to go to them. I'm not gonna, I can't sit here and go, you must come to me. Doesn't work like that. So I'm prepared to come to them now and start sharing my journey and my story and the people in my world to, to allow that to hoist the stand-up. Yeah. She sounds like a, a, a solid plan, you know, it's, I guess, like you said, it's, it's getting that attention back on yourself and what you do. So people, you know, might know the name, but they might not necessarily know, oh, he does stand-up. Or they might not necessarily know, oh, he's done X, Y, and Z in the past. And it's kind of bringing people back into that to, to take it back to the roots, isn't it? Yeah. I, it's weird, man. Again, I was too smart for the game, which is which was a bad thing because 
I, I would purposely do the same jokes knowing that I'm going to the same club, knowing that I can't afford to do new jokes because once I do this one joke, I'm somebody that once I do a new joke, you remember it. Yeah. Oh, I've heard this already. I, I, I did it for the first time last night though. Yeah. Oh yeah, but oh yeah. And I don't care who you are, you don't laugh at the same joke the same way. In the second time out here. It's, it's just, it just it gets diluted. It will always be funny, but it gets, it, it comes from ha 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 to, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And until until there's silence. So, but I was so afraid of using material that I know would be brilliant for no reason. But I, but again, it's trying to be smarter than a game. You can't be smarter than a game. You just gotta keep throwing them out. It's like a, a producer that's got a sick beat that he's holding. Well, that means you ain't got no more then. Yeah. That means you have absolutely no more after this beat goes crazy and everyone's talking about it. So if you have more, throw it out there. It's none of your business. Um, what people remember and all the other stuff. There will always be a new person in the audience. But, but I was, again, I was overthinking everything. Now it's like, no, right, right. I, 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 I throw, I threw, no, I throw away a uh, hundred jokes because that's not me anymore. Mm. I can't even go and do that material because that's not me. I'm not, I'm not that same guy anymore. I've missed that book. So now I'm actually writing again and, and enjoying it. You know, I was, I was talking about me and my missus, our, our first argument. Our first ever argument, we literally just got back from um, Mallorca and I'm coming back and she, she's very focused on, I've got the sat-nav, give me, the, give me, give me the, the postcode, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, but the sat-navs don't always give you the, yeah. you know, I'm from London, she's from Birmingham, so don't tell me you had to get somewhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, we, we, no, no, take this left. Now, at the moment we took the left, I knew I messed up in it. <laughs> I knew I messed up and I was like, oh, I'm like, what am I going to do that? Because I was hyping to her, but, but and she just like, I know this is taking us there. Doesn't matter how long it takes, it's taking us there. Don't tell me. So now, and, but she knew I made a mistake, right? Yeah. She knew I made a mistake, but she just kept on digging. She's like, okay, now, where, where are we going now? Where are we going now? And, I, and me and my ego, I'm like, yeah, do a left. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had us back at the airport, bro. Look at me. I was like, oh, she's like, but it's, it's sharing all of these things. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to say when you, when we're online, people think it's all rosy all the time. But but we we argue, we we do normal stuff. We're still best friends at the end mm. of the day. And I think those are the things that I'm working. I'm writing a new material and talking about being in a relationship and and letting that be something that people want to do. Do you know what I mean? Because to go through this whole world by itself is long. Yeah, it's yeah. long. <laughs> it's long, and only maturity will yeah. teach you that. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'll look forward to seeing uh, when the shows start coming around, seeing this material. Who, who would you say then is your biggest hero when you was growing up? Personally, or like in business? Either. My hero. I think personally, it would be my aunt. Because when you're taking a child at five years old who um, isn't yours and you. <clears throat> you favour him greatly that like the stuff that I used to get up to when I was younger <clears throat> that would get me into trouble or my frustrations about things going on in my family and and um, like for someone to show unconditional love to someone who they did not create man that to me is everything it's one of the reasons why i've been open to 
get her a lot mm. by giving because <clears throat> you know you go through a phase where you've given to so many people so many people have careers because of you and you take it personal when you feel as though you don't get something back from them yeah. but then I always say now is that someone gave to me without wanting something back do you know what I mean yeah Someone gave. I wasn't. I couldn't even be in a position to give my arm back what she's able to do for me. And as simple as <clears throat> that, one hundred and fifty pound that changed my life. It's like, you know. She she always raised me to be. Don't worry. Try that. I played hockey when I was young. Yeah. I played football, tennis. I went camping. At the age of six, seven, eight, I knew the world was a big place. I was never going to be confined to the street or or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. was always doing stuff on the weekend. Cub Scouts, all of it. I I I did all of it. This woman showed me already that you've got options, man. Yeah. And whoever thought I'd be doing stand-up? From all of those things. So for me, I can't... I don't think I'll meet someone who can have the impact that that woman's had on on me as a human being it's it's uh, it's it's second to none and i think on a on a entertainment level i think overall russell simmons yeah okay overall very close closely with um like dave Chappelle because mm. russell is just like Man, that that vision to just do what Def Comedy Jam done. Yeah. It's like one of my frustrations with being British is we're very happy to see something, know how it works, and do the complete opposite. <laughs> we're brilliant at doing the complete opposite of what it takes to get what we want, and we see the blueprint. And I've never been like that. I, will, I can't watch Nick Cannon's Wilder now and not try and do the fun house. Mm. It, it doesn't make sense. I know what everyone's talking about. So why would I not try and do something here that gives us a voice? In that lane. Yeah. yeah. Do, I, do I continue to talk about how amazing Eddie Murphy is and playing multiple characters? Or do I write my own movie and play multiple characters in it? Mm. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's like, these people are showing you what it takes, but we're going to hold these people into esteem. My pastor says, two seconds at looking at something is inspiration. Mm. Five seconds is gazing. And when you start gazing, you defeat yourself every second after. Because you start saying, oh my gosh, Beyonce is so amazing. Oh my gosh, she's got amazing clothes. Oh my gosh, her hair is so immaculate. Oh my gosh, she can dance. Every time you start to tell, all of those lines are you telling yourself, I can't do that. Yeah. It's pushing you further back by just idolizing someone. I admire so many people and I go, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Do you understand? But I I put it into practice because Eddie Murphy's not going to slow me down from bigging him up all the time. Mm. I'm about to come and do my own thing here. Who's our Eddie Murphy here? Who's the young person that even thinking about comedy that will eventually get into comedy saying is paving the way for that person? That's from Hackney. That's from East London. That's not from uh, Brooklyn, New York, or all these far places that, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I love where our music is now. 
because the average car's playing British music now. Yeah. The average car. Yeah. Do you, people don't even, the kids now, they won't even be able to fathom what the journey's been like yeah, yeah. to get to a place where it's standard. It, you, you can't get happy about a number one anymore because it's standard. It's what happens. So that's, a lot of work has gone into that. But that's kind of where Russell, seeing what he did with Def Comedy Jam, that's what made me do my comedy club. Yeah. That's what made me do it. That's what, Nick Cannon, Wild and Out, that's what made me take the show to MTV and say, how can we do this? You know, you see um, um, Eddie Murphy Raw and Delirious. That's why I done Fresh Bits of Hackney. Yeah. Because I wanted people to have something here that they can go, this is ours. Mm. It was ahead of its time. I'm in the same probably generation as Kano, Lethal B, Wiley, ahead of our time. But we're the, we're the gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. the ones that had to make all the mistakes and get into beef and have dramas and go through all of that so that you can have a Kojo Funds, you can have a Moda Comedian, you can have um, these young film directors that may come after No Clock. Because yeah, yeah. we're the people on the round table. We've taken the punches, so that you lot don't have to do that. And I, and I, you know, I don't want my children to even know what diversity. Diversity to me is in the same sentence as slavery. Yeah. And the fact that when I came into the world, I didn't have to go through slavery because there's people that dealt with that. So my generation, we've got to deal with this diversity thing because I don't even want my child to know what that is. Mm. I didn't want him to know what that is. I want him to know. I want to work there. I'm gonna go and work there. I want yeah. him to know work there. And that's this generation's job. This generation's job. So diversity to me is the new thing to get rid of. So the next generation don't even have to even feel nothing about that. And it's all progress. But it's about being part. Are you willing to start the revolution? Or are you going to start? Are you only going to start it because you, so that you can see it? Yeah, yeah. And that's our problem. You've got to be selfless. I, I want to be part of the seed that starts it. I may never see it. I may never see that day. But I'm not, I'm not here for that. My son hopefully will see that. And that's what, that's what all my action and energy goes into. And I think what Russell done there, and I worked with him for two years in New York to, to learn from this man, to have this guy bring Def Comedy Jam tour over here and say, Koji, I want you to host it. To take me to yoga. Oh, that's a whole other joke I got there, man. He took me to yoga. <laughs> For the first time, and I was going gym, but ain't ain't nothing like yoga. Ain't, you ain't a real man until you done yoga. I'm telling you that that is something physical there. That that's real. But these are the things that I've got from my book. These are the things that stories that I can share yeah, yeah. that no one else can share. And and being as close to him as I was, I was able to get into his mind. That guy is black and white. He doesn't have a grey area. There's no maybe or might. He says, this is how I want it done and it has to be done like that. And you will hear people in the office moaning, cussing, but those same people, will want, they don't want to work for no one else. Mm. Because it's about the results at the end of the day. And you can get into your feelings on the journey, but it's about the results. You're part of the result here. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what's made me implement those kind of techniques into delivering stuff and saying, this is how it has to be. And when you watch the Weekend movie, every second of that movie had to be that way or it wasn't coming out. Mm. Because I wanted for people to go, I'm, I'm enjoying this, I'm not supporting this. I don't want people to ever support me. I want people to come out because they want to. I don't want it to be, yeah, my coach is doing anything, let's go and support. I, I, that means I'm not doing something that makes you organically wanna, wanna you know, I don't, have I watched everything on Netflix? No, no one has and no one ever will. Because not everything on there makes you want to watch it. Do you see what I'm trying yeah. to say? 
It shouldn't always have to be, oh yeah, my friends opened a new restaurant, you lot got to come and support. No, cook something that people talk about. So that when it gets to me, it's just natural and organic and I'll go there to eat. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah. That's my mindset on me. That I, I put that pressure on myself. If I'm not creating something that makes people want to come, that's on me. I've got to go back in there and work harder and I've got to go and not blame the audience and say they're not ready yet or whatever. No, do something that makes people go, yo, I just tasted this amazing meal. Because humans have the biggest mouths when they love something. Yeah, of course. We can't keep quiet when we love something. We want the world to know when we love we something. Shared experience. Of course you do. We are naturally the most, we're giving. As humans, we are all giving. It takes effort to say no to something. Yeah. It's an energy that makes you say no, right? But we all want to say yes. But it's up to you to make me feel like I want to say yes. And that's pressure that I put on myself. Mm. So I, I, that makes me have a quality control that Russell taught me to make sure that it's up here. Because my quality control is up here. So I will, I will definitely lose majority of people. Because majority of people just want to say, oh yeah, but I tried though, innit? Uh, I made an effort. And that's what we champion here in England. Effort. Yeah. We don't champion results. We're happy that someone tried to win the race. We don't care if they win a gold or not. It, oh, that'd be nice. But at least you gave a good run of yourself. And you went in there. Good effort, son. Yeah. Americans don't think like that. You're first or last. Everything's last. Do you know what I mean? And, and for me, being around them and learning that's how they think, that's, that's just implemented in me now. So it's always about the finish. Do you know what I mean? You might not enjoy the process, but it's all about the result. You know, there's two laughs you can have. You can have the first half or the last one. Yeah. And I prefer to have the last one. Yeah, which is, you know, I think is very much testament to everything you've done in terms of, you know, everything we've spoken about mm. from, you know, the radio stuff to the NTV to doing your own things and, you know, bringing people mm. on and putting people on and everything is kind of boils down to all of that, which is incredible. Um, but it, if we were to roll back the clock again, just for a minute, mm. and you could speak to a younger version of yourself, mm. what three bits of advice would you give to a younger Kojo to start doing and one thing to stop doing? Three things to start doing. Let's start with that. Three things to start doing. Take them emails. <laughs> Take them emails. Kevin Hart had a brilliant conversation with him. He said, Kojo, I have 55 million people on Instagram and a million people watch my videos. Where's 54 million people gone? Mm. Where's 54 million people gone? It's impossible for them to have all been busy. Doesn't make sense. He, so he goes, it looks good, but it, you can't rely on that. It looks good though. But you can't rely on that. What it part of the book is his journey with emails, and he got his team together from early. They go to like shopping malls, parties, purposely just to take emails, just to take emails because emails still to this day you got to delete them. Yeah, you can't say I didn't see it. You can't miss it. Maybe it might fall into your junk mail. Maybe, but ultimately. People have to see it. It's more personal still. Yeah. To this day, it's more personal. Followers ain't more personal. Instagram, all these things aren't personal. They're, oh yeah, we saw it. That's why most flyers and that don't get as much likes as what, what, what you're actually doing. So emails is a way to connect with people personally because when you, when you send a broadcast, oh, it was that broadcast. It feels like it's gone to everyone. It doesn't feel like you purposely want me 
personally want me to come. Yeah. And I think you will never be able to be have a better feeling than being personally invited to something or made to feel special. And that's what I would have said to myself, locking all of those people that are coming into your thing. These are future people that you can keep and build and grow. Lock that in. Another thing that I would have told myself is um, not to forget about you. Not to forget about you in the process. Um, Everything that I was doing was about seeing other people win. And part of that made me frustrated because when you give naturally as a human being and you don't think feel like the people are giving back to you 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 resent people yeah you just feel like right like i remember when you first came to me begged me to do this do you know what i mean but you've not bought me for anything or you've not ever said you know what oh i can't do this opportunity let me let me call kojo see if kojo would do it all of those things i began to take personal so, I, but ultimately, I've still got to kind of focus on what I was doing for me, and I wasn't doing enough for me in terms of growth. Um, I had I, I, I'm the guy, as I said, I'm seen as the pioneer and all this other stuff. But, but, you know, I I lost. I, I'm never seen. Ah, oh, Kojo. Ah, oh, yeah, Kojo's hilarious. I I don't get the I don't, I don't get the co- comedy praise. Yeah, I get yeah. the what he's done praise. Yeah. But I could never have done anything if I wasn't funny. And I think when you think Kojo, funny is second nature to people. It's more about what I've achieved than it is being funny. And I guess I'm partly to blame because that's those are the brackets that I put myself in. If I'm the one that's organising this comedy club and I've, I've got control of everything, that's just how people are going to see me. You know, there was times when comedians were awful on the night. I had to carry the whole... Yeah, yeah. The whole evening. Show. Oh, Kojo, someone will be on there. People look at me like, Ruff, get back on there, get back on there. Um, all of those moments. Um, so, yeah, it'd be not to forget about you. And the first thing that I'll tell myself to do, third thing I'll tell myself to do would be, um, man, I did a lot. Um, oh, um, oh, yeah, this, and this is something that I think is important. <clears throat> Don't forget your family. Mm. Don't forget your family. Because my to my own confession, so much was happening so fast that they hardly saw me. And then I'd pop up at Christmas and it'd be like, oh, Kojo's here, da 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 da. But I, didn't, I never liked the feeling when I popped up at Christmas because that's the only time that they would see me. Yeah. And throughout 365 days a year, because they were the first people I called if I was in trouble, if I was in anything, but they were the last people that I'll go and just chill with and just hang with and just do nothing with. And I think anyone coming up, man, do not disrespect your family by not being there. Don't only go and see your mom or your little sister or your niece or your nephew or your godson or your goddaughter only because there's nothing else to do. Like, make that a part make of your time, week. Yeah. Make that part of your week and that is something that I took for granted on so many levels to the point where that I'm grateful that there's still an element of love between us now, do you know what I mean? Because it's unconditional. So that's something that I'll definitely say, don't, don't, you know, well, yeah, spend more time with your family. Mm. And then the one thing to stop doing? One thing that I would have stopped doing, um, <clears throat> one thing I would have said to my younger self to stop doing, um, it's quite difficult. 
I think, um, oh, oh, yeah, younger self. Don't buy that. Don't buy that, bro. <laughs> Don't buy that, bro. I bought some foolishness. I, I'll, you know what it is? I've never been the person to want a nice car. Never been that. And I think, you know, my home was everything to me. My boys would come out to my house and just chill. I've lived in some amazing places. I've lived in some amazing houses. I've lived in some cool apartments. <coughs> um, but, but I never, yeah, but I never bought, I, I didn't buy at the time. Yeah. Um, and I had way more than enough money to, to, to buy, but I wasn't, you know, I was living my best life, as they say. Yeah. And um, impressing people that had no business impressing. Um, yeah. Be very careful what you buy when you've got access to money. Yeah, and that's a very, very valuable bit of advice. Very, I've always kind of been of the same mindset. Mm. I've never really, you know, not I've had loads of money, but I've never really spent money needlessly <coughs> for the sake of it to, you know, try and impress people who don't essentially matter. Mm. So that's a very valuable bit of advice. And then last question for you: mm. What would be your ultimate happiness goal? Um, to raise a family that continue to win because again everything I think comes back to what can I have impact on mm. what do I have impact on genuinely I have all the impact in the world on my woman I have all the impact on my children and my family as well and those are, those are things that I can help steer not to tell them what to do not to force them to do anything to steer their natural love and that's what I feel like kids kids between the one and three give you a very big inkling on what they are attracted to yeah. and it's our job as parents to harness that thing that they naturally gravitate to um, yes they'll change their mind but whatever they steer around you've got to be very you've got to steer it around what they love or what they think they like or all the other stuff do you know what I mean you got to support it I could want my child to play football I could want my child to <clears throat> but we're not designing babies here we're not saying oh yeah well this go down to aisle 13 and you got four kids that can play do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you can't pick kids off from the shelf and say this I want it in this colour do you know what I mean it, it, God gives you what you're given and then it's they have a natural thing and I think for me that, that's, that, that to me would be happiness I'm now at the stage where all of my stuff that I'm doing isn't for me it's for the family that I want to build now because listen you watch things like X Factor and you see people's parents and you're like mate they've got four teeth between them you know what I mean but their child now is just one X Factor and they've just gone out there and they've sold millions of records and you feel like well why they got to be glamorous and all the other stuff their blessing is not even them it's the yeah. child Yeah. and you can have the biggest win of your life through your child the next generation you know I love what G Fresh is doing because G is a rapper who tasted success, but now he's he's really having success with Young Bane. Yeah. With Young and like, because he's taken half of what he knows and added it to the talent, and now they're going around the world together, being smart. It's about elevation, it's about growth, and I think, I wanna see the, the Lethal Bees and the Wileys and all the other people signing the talent. That you lot have created this, sign the talent, myself. Mm. You know, look after the people now because you lot open these doors, you know what I mean? And we've got to keep that wealth of Richmond within the, the, the community that it's come from. And and I think those are the, the real wins now. So 
yeah, man, I think what I'm planning to do and what I'm able to do with my family would give me the peace of mind yeah. that that um, money can't buy. And, and part of my problem a little bit is I've never really been motivated by money. That's why I would, I'd do anything to get rid of it. Yeah. I'd do it. I, I, I wouldn't want to have so much. I, I'd just do anything to get rid of it. Because sometimes when you get money, you sometimes think you don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, all I'm doing is getting up and telling these jokes. You know what I mean? But to everyone else, it's, wow, how do you do that? And you, you belittle yourself a little bit and then you start to, yeah, yeah, you can have this and you do that. And, and it's just to get rid of it subconsciously. You know what I mean? Instead of, you know, rich isn't what you spend. It's what you have. Mm. It's what's here. Yeah. That's what you got after you spend what you got. Not being able to just go and buy everything. It's what, what have you obtained? Yeah. And that's what I think I had no idea about. I was just like, yeah, man, I've got this because I'm putting it out. But no, someone else has got what I'm, what I'm putting out now. And I'm making them wealthy, not even rich. Mm. So... Yeah, it's just it's just a whole bunch of stuff. But I think my my genuine happiness would be to raise a good family, to inspire them to be great, yeah. and to see that greatness. Yeah, and that's amazing. That is, I mean, for me, that is one of the most you know important things for anyone mm. is you know your your chance to bring people into the world and and raise them how you know best you can to push them to greatness to 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 elevate them to lift them up and give them that confidence and skill set and everything it's just mm. it's, it's really powerful man and yeah and you know hope it all goes well with, with, when, the, when me too buddy along the way. <laughs> <laughs> me too man me too but yeah i'm looking forward to it i i, I anything new I, I always get excited yeah. it's good that i can be at my age and still be excited about yeah, certain things. Yeah, it's just cool, so. man. And, you know, again, thank you for the time. No you worries, know, It's been man. incredible. Me, yeah. There's a lot of amazing stuff in there. I'm going to be writing <laughs> notes on notes on notes when I listen back later. Um, but, yeah, uh, good luck with everything. Cheers, with the, man. With the stand-up for coming back. You know, yes, yes. Looking forward to that, seeing yes. shows, It's going to be good. Yes, everything. yes. Um, and the book and all of that. Mm. You know, I'll keep an eye out for all of that stuff and hopefully... Um, you know, people can check it all out. And b- but before we go, can you let people know where they can find you online, your YouTube channel, etc. Yeah. And um, so everything online is official Kojo. That's K O J O. And YouTube is official Kojo TV. So yeah, man, I'm going to be way more active um, this year in terms of just letting people in a bit more. So follow the journey. Amazing. Thank you, man. No worries. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. So there we have it guys, that's Kojo's story and you know, I hope you enjoyed this one. There were so many gems, so many bits of wisdom and knowledge and insight and there's so much to take from that episode, particularly, you know, what he was talking about around, you know, how his his values have changed recently, how he likes to give back to people, how he's, you know, looking forward now to supporting and building a family and, and, and raising a family of his own. And for me, it's incredible to hear all of the success he's had over the years and everything he's done, but how he now wants to take it right back to the roots and just get straight back in with the stand-up again. I think it's amazing and, you know, we wish him all the luck. As of our, if you want to ask any more questions or you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at IamAlexManzi or Twitter at DreamersPod and, you know, ask questions, find out more, suggest guests, anything you want to know. So that's all for this week. As ever, guys, let's make sure we go out there Stop planning, stop thinking, and it's time to start doing and chasing your dreams. This podcast is produced by Unedited.